0: Call is being recorded.
1: What's up, everybody? It's another installation of the side hustle here. Jimmy alongside with the two Angelas, which we will refer to as Angela and Jules, so we don't confuse our listeners out there. We've got Angela Munoz, aka Jules, in Eureka, California. Angela, say hi. Unmute that thing and say hi. I had to put you on the spot early on in this one. And then Angela Melchiori in uh, San Francisco. Hi, Angela.
0: Hey Jimmy, how's it going?
1: Hey, could you? We're gonna do that. All right, cut. We're gonna do that again. Can you send a little more enthused? Let's try this one more time. In three, <laughs> two, one. Hi, Angela in San Francisco.
0: <laughs> Hi, Jimmy. How are you? you just Is that better?
1: You just went full blown peanuts gang on that one. Like, hey, it's like whoa, <laughs> just happened there. <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. I just had to put you on the spot a little bit. See, this is what happens when we do one of these for the first time ever at night. There may or may not be some cocktails involved. I don't know. We'll see how the next 30, 40 minutes unfolds. But uh, our guest tonight, I'm excited about this one because not only is this man behind the scenes on many events and gets the job done despite the situation at hand, he's also a very funny human being and one of my favorite people living in my favorite city, Tommy Deck from good old... It says Carson City. What are you doing in Carson City? I thought you were from Vegas.
2: I'm actually moved, just moved to Redmond, Oregon.
1: Oh, my yeah, goodness. I just completely un- invalidated my entire statement about you being in <laughs> one of my favorite cities.
2: <laughs> <Good> <laughs> don't be wrong.
1: Any Oregonians listening, I love or- Oregon. I just thought you were still living down there in Sin City. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Thanks, buddy. How are you? I'm doing all right here during the lockdown. Uh, the Angelas and I have just been having some fun getting some people on the show here telling some war stories and uh, talking to people about what they do and just kind of trying to entertain some folks out there about the things that go on behind the scenes in the event world. So let's start off with the move. Why did you move to Oregon?
2: Um, Got a job traveling with Toyota, setting up their trade shows around the country and possibly the Olympics, which obviously got postponed. And uh, doing... I'm freestyle, trying to open up my own company up here called Executive Approach.
1: Now, just for clarification, is that Toyota the car company, or did you say a Toyota, as in you're now working with the Star Wars <laughs> franchise?
2: <laughs> no, I do have my ShredEye shirt on, though. Just making uh, sure no. there's
1: a lot of hype out there with the Mandalorian right now. The Mandalorian? No, Toyota traveling around doing their car shows big so, in big booths. So, talk. let's talk about that. What kind of car shows were you guys doing?
2: uh there's all kinds of kits there's a kits, b kits and c kits c kits are like a regional car show or just the the local regional uh sales and the car lots come out um the the b kits are usually like a bigger installation at a bigger convention bigger cities like chicago um chicago new york and stuff and then there's like the a kits which are like 400 foot booths by like 200 with massive video walls and cars that hang in the air and turn around in circles and video and all that stuff which are like the c kits are probably like a forty thousand dollar booth the b kits probably a hundred the c kit or the a kits can go anywhere from two hundred thousand dollars to multi-million dollar sets just to
1: set the booth up yeah that's insane so what kind of what kind of logistics do you go into making the car elevate and spin around in a roof like that? I mean, I've seen similar stuff like at, uh, at CES before, but I'm trying to wrap my head around this.
2: Um it all depends on if it's suspended, but usually they're on turntables. Um but sometimes we can put them in the air and suspend them off of rigging motors, off of trussing and stuff and hang them in the air, hang them upside down so you can see the transmissions and stuff.
1: Wow. All right. So well, that sounds extremely involved. Uh, how <laughs> long How long have you been on that project?
2: I just got hired for this one back in August.
1: Oh, so fairly, fairly new before the world decided to go a little crazy.
2: Yep. I got two shows in because it's a new company for the Zarnowski, which I work for doing trade shows. Yep. So that's a new company that just started with us. We we just got their motorsports division, and we got
1: all of their uh, car shows. All right. So let's uh, let's dive a little deeper. Let's go. Let's go back down the timeline here. How did you? What was your first introduction into the whole event world, and uh, what was the whole spark that got you interested in this and kind of spawned your career?
2: Um. It all kind of happened in the same few months. I was living in Squaw Valley, working at the ice rink, driving the Zamboni. And uh, a friend of mine was living with a guy who worked trade shows. And the last time the outdoor retailer was in Reno was in, like, 96. And I went down and helped him set up a booth, Columbia, and, and some other stuff. And then his name is Mike Ordway. Um, I I don't think any of you guys know him, but then we started with him, I started doing events with uh, a company out of LA, which you guys might be familiar with, EMP, Event Management and Promotions. Um Mr. Long Paul, Paul Crandall and all those guys worked with them. And we started doing Gogurt. We were handing out Gogurt. And then we were also <laughs> I did, I gave you. I gave Huey Lewis Gogurt, did outside of the the baseball stadium in San Francisco.
1: Did you just say you gave Huey Lewis Gogurt? I did. I gave him a yogurt. I was literally going to make a Huey Lewis joke, but <laughs> I, I drew a blank.
2: Yeah, but then I started doing the events with Power Bar and stuff, and then uh, my roommates also worked or were sponsored by Red Bull, so we started doing the first Flugtogs back then. The first Flugtog, huh? Yes. Actually, I did the
1: second. I did not work on the first one in San
2: Francisco. I worked on the second one.
1: Where was the second tog and how far back was this? I work a lot of those, but I have no idea where the second one or the first one was.
2: The second one was back in San Francisco, if I am correct, and then they put me and James Clifford on tour, and then the next one was in Austin, Texas.
1: Wow. Where did they do that? I guess they did that at Lake Travis, huh? In Austin? Yes sir. yes, sir. See, I know a little bit of my Flugtag history timeline. <laughs> there. And for people that yeah. don't know, that are listening to this, try to explain a little bit about what a Flugtag is and the madness that goes into that, whether you're a spectator, a participant, or working behind the scenes. You want me to explain it? So, yeah, you on the spot.
2: Flugtag means fly day in German, since the owner of Red Bull is very... Seth with flying he came up with this idea on how to promote human powered flight and back in the inception of the Fluke they had like really cool devices like catapults and slingshots shots and all these other contraptions that you were able to have um, as long as it what didn't have like two to one gear ratios but you could have like tension cords and all that kind of stuff Really? Yeah. So guys were like getting flung out of catapults and stuff like full full like acne kind of stuff.
1: I stuff. Say, I'm having this whole Roadrunner Wiley Coyote vision. In oh, my, yeah. now.
2: Yeah. And so they, and you know, so everybody wanted to do the planes and all that stuff in the catapults. Well, they took all those out and then they started doing just human powered flight. So you have to, Two teams and the teams have to have a, uh, I guess what you would call a skit. They have to do their skit and then song on stage up on the barge, and then try to fly their contraptions off. But they have to fly their contraptions off of a barge, which is anywhere from 120 feet long, and I think the height is 32 feet off the ground. I think. Yeah. The height, right. Yes, And uh, so if they get to 32 feet off the water and they, as long as they fly, whoever flies the farthest wins,
1: pretty much that simple.
2: Whether you're contraption is, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I had never participated in one of those. I think 2013 was my first one. And I was the flight deck host for that. And then a couple of years later, I thought it would be a good idea to come join the operations crew on one of those things. <laughs> and boy, what a learning experience that was. It's an intense job there's
2: a lot that goes on and a lot of people show up for the flu talk
1: yeah that was uh that was an understatement for sure and uh it was a good time in portland oregon and uh we got bugged by osha the entire week that was fantastic yeah
0: did did we actually get shut down so important was that we did officially i mean we, we I know they were on site shutting us down, but I feel like we kind of let the show roll for longer than we were supposed to, right? Or am I wrong no, on this?
2: No, we actually got shut down by the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard and the uh, the uh, Sheriff's Department came in together and shut us down because people um, party really hard in person. They decided to block the uh, whole uh, Willamette. The, the river, which is a major major uh, shipping route, and so they wouldn't move out of the way of all the barges and stuff, and they just moored up in the middle of the river and started throwing beer cans and bottles at the Coast Guard and at the sheriff's boats and all that stuff, and so they came in and shut us down.
1: Well, what's well, crazy about all that was that? People were tied off on all the boats and with their personal watercraft, and it turned into inflatable rafts that were getting tied off out there. And there was one guy that had a houseboat and he had this makeshift party deck, and he had a bunch of they were from the local one of the local strip clubs, so they had a bunch of strippers dancing up on top of this thing, and things were getting a little crazy out there. But there's a giant tour boat that goes up and down the river, the Portland Princess, and that guy came out of dock and he was the river for his cruise and was honking his horn, and he came out hot and was not stopping for anything because he's got the right of way. And he was, he actually clipped a couple of people and that's when things started to get out of control. And the sheriffs were going out there on their boats and people were just not listening to him and throwing Like you said, throwing beer cans at him. And I remember standing on the flight <laughs> going, Oh, this would never fly in Texas. If you threw a beer can at a sheriff, you'd be in, <laughs>
2: You're in trouble. Yeah.
1: But it was yeah. wild.
2: Uh, yeah. They pretty much. And we only had like seven more people to go. Yeah, there was Where like, was like was seven
1: or eight craft back. left, I remember. Yeah. I remember getting the radio call. It was like, very slowly, take that group of gentlemen off the flight deck. Don't tell them what's going on, but then put barricades up at the bottom. <laughs> because we were told yeah. if one more person or one more thing goes off of this flight deck, we're looking at a federal charge. Yeah. I mean, it got all the way to, so yeah.
2: Well, the hippies the week before didn't help out that blocked the bridge for the oil tanker going out. So the Coast Guard was already mad that week.
1: Oh, uh, it was an interesting time, and it was crazy because there were so many people packed into that hillside for that event. I was blown away by the turnout for that thing. That was monstrous. They made us. Did you, you remember they made
2: us carpet. They made us carpet the Burnside Bridge because of the permits from the previous that the town was so mad at us. We had to carpet four feet of the bridge.
1: <laughs> I
2: do the remember. whole way. Ah. <laughs>
1: oh. Good times. Kids, if you're listening, if you ever want to work events, this is what you're getting into. Carpeting bridges in the Pacific Northwest. And then potential bump fights as well on the loadout. That that was an interesting one. One of our security guys ended up getting a broken beer bottle thrown at him. Remember that one?
2: he He got a slash across his chest. He got cut.
1: Yeah. And having to kick all those little street urchins out of the boneyard because we were fencing it off. But, you know, they kind of made out like bandits because those guys and girls all ended up with tons of bottled water and Red Bull product and whatnot. So they were all pretty happy. Plus, there was a massive craft brew festival that had gone on on the other side of that park. So they did okay in the long run with the leftovers. They were partying for that week.
0: I just remember loadout having to clean up all the needles off of the beach. remember we spent hours one day just cleaning that one little strip of beach it was red bull cans and hypodermic needles for days <laughs> That's all. That's i just remember filling up my bag and <laughs> that was a party, <laughs> That's
1: a party. oh my yeah. goodness do you remember remember the guy that was living on the river in the little makeshift pirate ship oh yeah and he Not was tied that. off right next to the dock, and technically they couldn't make him move because you're allowed to be moored in one place for up to 30 days. Yep, public waterway.
2: He was yeah. a little pirate dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, but there was one boat. There was one boat that had tied off on the dock that we needed over there. That there was going to be the dock where the medical boat came out and where the divers were going to launch from and where the where sheriff's the watercraft, were the watercraft were on. So I remember Harris and a couple of Red Bull people went over and to a pirate ship guy. He agreed to move across the river to get out of our camera shot. And they said, here you go. Here's some product. Here's some food. And he did an undercover night mission where he went over to that boat dock and tied off that other guy's yacht and just dragged it over to the other side of the river and dropped <laughs> it. Dirt bastard. And it was like, oh, problem solved. See, Red Bull goes a long way listen, these are the kinds of things that you have to improvise to make stuff happen. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. So outside of that little experience, uh, what are some of the other events that you've worked on over the years that uh, some of your favorites and some that you find a little extra challenging?
2: Well, I've done a lot of different ones. Well, of course, we've done a lot of Red Bull events, which I've done 24 or 25 blue cogs. Done three rampages, two, no, three uh air races. Um, the first trashed ice that was in in America, that was in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, we've done some smaller fat tire festivals back in Tahoe back in the day. What else? Little Red Bull events. I've, just a little marketing stuff here and there. Uh the Uh, the straight rhythm. Um, I got to do a really cool event, probably one of the coolest events and probably one of the gnarliest things I got invited to was do the Bryce Menzies, uh, the last frontier out in Mexico where he decided to jump his Baja truck over a ghost town. Um, And I got invited to this live filming thing. Um, And then we did Nitro Circus in Vegas which we did evil live and of course you're a part of that you're the commentator
1: that was uh that was interesting that was probably the second craziest storm situation that i've ever faced in las
2: vegas (laughs) it's always weird in vegas yes and hot so hot
1: yeah that was brutally hot there
2: um probably one of the gnarliest events i've probably ever worked and logistically ever worked is with woody james woodruff and chris schuster and we were doing It was global event management back then, and we were doing the Red Bull Air Races out of San Francisco during Fleet Week, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Fleet Week in San Francisco, but literally over a million people show up to the shorelines for this event, and um, it's full-on ships and boats and planes and stuff, and so Red Bull decided they wanted to do it during that, and we had to... Um put these pylons on barges out in the middle of the bay and tie them down and We were dealing with large mafia guys and um we got surrounded at the on the docks in Oakland. We were working on a pile driver's union dock, unloading crates, building trussing, and all this other stuff that we do in the event world and um, we got surrounded by fifty cars, literally and I'm not kidding the biggest people you ever seen your life out of Oakland, they all parked, every one of them got in their trunk, and they weren't going to let us out. Yeah, because we were working illegally on a union dock in Oakland, which is a big no. I don't know if you guys are, and you're probably familiar with that.
1: So what, how did you guys end up getting out of that situation? Um...
2: It was quite interesting. I had to call up Woody and tell him we need to evacuate the dock. We were able to get out of there as long as we were out of there. Cliffy and Woody had to do some uh, negotiations with the uh, local union members, and I'm talking about the IOPC guys, the stagehands, uh, teamsters who unload the freight and rot, uh, drive the forklift. The IOPC guys were the guys building the truss. Um, the containers were uh, were. Uh, the shipyard guys and there was one more union member that wanted something and basically what happened is we needed to hire one union guy to work for us for four hours so we made him unload a container for four hours and then load it back up
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just imagining you guys all out there on the dock and like all of a sudden all these cars pull up with these mafia guys and you're like um no. no, I'm
2: talking about Oakland Gangsters, not, not, uh,
1: yeah. Oh.
2: Not, yeah, not. Wow. Not okay. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the most interesting logistically because just trying to do that in San Francisco and get all the parts to do that event was pretty, it was quite a, a big move on Red Bull's
1: part. But it worked. No, I was just going to ask, I mean, where it, in- where in the city was the actual air race for that one well the first gate
2: was right off was literally off of the golden gate bridge which the faa had a really serious issue with uh some planes dive bombing a uh, national landmark and a major well yeah <laughs> and uh the uh the main tower was right there in the park over there in Got the name of the park kind of over in north beach over there um um but they had the main tower there and then there was one there was pretty much everything was scattered around the barges with the pylons on them were scattered around alcatraz and around the bay
1: oh wow that so, must have been a heck of a backdrop for that whole thing for the tv show yeah.
2: oh yeah it was pretty intense Really? And then, I mean, we were doing live interviews. I got to, this the first time I got to ride in the helicopter, the Red Bull heli, the one that goes upside down. With
0: you get to ride in that?
2: With, yeah, the Red Bull, you know, the heli pilot, that dude Chuck? Yeah. That gnarly Vietnam guy? Yeah, I got to ride in the front seat of that thing from the Oakland airport over to Byron. We were doing a uh, Good Morning America interview, which I had to go there and set up pylons for the planes to fly through.
1: And he flew me right
2: over the top of the
1: highest peak right there in the Bay. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's that dude's gnarly. Yeah, that guy's crazy. I mean, I remember the first time I worked a Red Bull event where he was doing one of the intermission entertainment gigs. I was like, is he going to backflip a helicopter? <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> yeah. He like, oh, yeah. he sure is. Like, that, guy, that guy's insane what he's able to do with that helicopter.
2: Yeah, so that was just one of the events, uh, and then I do a lot of trade shows on this, along with events. I work in the union out of Vegas, so I've been doing trade shows for as long as I've been doing events.
1: I was say that and, probably keeps you pretty busy though, in between doing road events, because I mean, Vegas and their conventions is just—I mean that can—if you've never been to Vegas, that convention center is massive, and it's only doubling. They are—they're expanding it, eh? Yes, sir. It Goes all the way to the strip now. Wow. I'm I'm trying to think of when the last time I was out there was. It's been a hot minute. That's crazy. Plus now they're getting an NFL team. They've got an NHL team. That place is going crazy.
2: We got a women's NBA team, minor league baseball team, but I'm out of there. I don't live there anymore.
1: (laughs) the, The minor league baseball team, do they have some sort of like alien theme? Aren't they like the area 51s or something?
2: Area 51s, and they got this huge baseball stadium. It's fancy. I
1: yeah. heard a rumor that the NFL stadium has some sort of crazy thing on it where the top part, where the luxury suites are, can rotate. So you can move that around for different configurations, like whether it's football or concerts or whatnot. I can only imagine. Some <laughs> friends of mine were
2: someone had riggers in there. They said it's pretty crazy.
1: So going back to your story there about uh, – Air Race in San Francisco, you'd mentioned the FAA. That's that's an interesting point uh, I want to bring up because a lot of people think about events and whatnot. I mean, that one's kind of obvious because you're dealing with airplanes. So obviously you're going to need some FAA clearance, but uh, a lot of times when you go to events, you've got to get FAA clearance to fly your drones for your camera shots too, especially if you're anywhere near an airport. And I'm not talking like a major commercial traffic airport, even just a local regional one where they fly private planes out of. That's a that's kind of a weird little sidebar thing that a lot of people don't think about in the event world.
2: Right. Getting permits for airspace and clearing airspace is quite a, uh, it's actually quite an expense. really. And then of course, Red Bull events, you got to get it cleared because you're getting Red Bull skydivers coming in and all that.
1: Oh, yeah, the old Red Bull skydivers, which we've seen plenty of times over and over again. Uh, one of my most memorable moments with those guys, I'm sure you've heard the story a million times, at a uh, cliff diving event here in Texas a couple years back. One of those guys came in hot and ended up landing on the back of Timmy Carlson's jet ski. Yeah, I saw the footage. Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Provenzano, right? That was Jet Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. They, uh, they, were
0: used, they were used that scene though when he's landing on the back of Carlson's jet ski is like the promotion for cliff diving like it's in their commercial the official Red Bull commercial for cliff diving so every time I see it I'm always like it looks like it was planned but obviously like those of us who know it wasn't planned but I love that they use it as like the official commercial for Red Bull cliff diving
1: It was crazy because that cove was jam-packed, and I was standing up on top of the boat where we had the judges and everybody, and I was watching that situation unfold, and I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And I was like, is he going to try to catch that guy in the back of that wave runner? And then he just lined it up, and that guy came in hot. I'm like, oh, man, this is actually going to work. And then, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, the way that he stepped down into that tray, and literally, he just sat right back down and then just put his arm around Timmy's shoulder, and they just rode off into the sunset. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the entire cove just erupted, and everybody's walking their boat horns and whatnot. It was insane. Timmy, it was all stoked. Oh, Timmy. Yeah, he he's tried to recreate that magic a couple of times since, and it hadn't quite worked out. <laughs> but it's funny. It's I mean, it's it's urban legend out there at Possum Kingdom Lake where we did that event. It's about an hour outside of Fort Worth, uh, and people. Talk, I I run across people all the time, like, "Oh, you were at Red Bull events?" Like, "Yeah." Like, see, hear about that guy with the skydiver and the jet ski out of Possum Kingdom? I was like, "Yep." Oh, you Texans! Oh, I know. It's well, I mean, it's a big. There's a lot of, like, uh, wealthy vacation homes out there. So, you know, it's a it's it's a very popular place, destination for, like, 4th of July, uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day weekend and whatnot. So the story's gotten out. Timmy's a legend. Timmy is a
2: legend. So I don't know where else to go. Like, the beginning, that's pretty much the beginning for me. It's like kind of I started everything at the same time, really.
1: So what did you originally – what did you think your career path was going to be early on before all this stuff started happening? What did you originally want to do?
2: I wanted to be Tommy Lee.
1: In which which capacity?
2: Um, Wanted to be a rock star? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just – I found Tahoe. Once I moved to Tahoe, I moved in with a bunch of guys that – one guy owned a bungee jumping company. One guy was a professional base jumper. One guy was just, back then, he was just a bungeer, but he is now the Miles Dasher of the Red Bull Air Force. Um, he was just, at that time, I think he was the Chico State mascot. And then he was living up at the house, and so we just kind of got affiliated by all those guys.
1: And here you are after all these years.
2: Yes, sir. Still hanging in still hanging out see your guys in space every
1: once in a while I know you, you know it would be nice to see more of you guys in that regard I, don't, I think the last time was uh, when we were all out at uh, Straight Rhythm if I'm not mistaken sure. yeah that was it that was one of the last things I did for 2019 so
2: that was the only event I did in 2019 all my stuff been trade shows
1: you miss the Pomona Fairplex don't you admit it <laughs>
2: i do it's an odd place i tell you
1: <laughs> odd place. i you know it's weird i feel like over the years from all the events that i've done there from when i lived in southern california and then moving to reno and then back here to texas like i almost feel like the pomona fairplex it's part of my family it's like your weird uncle's house that you go to for like easter
2: or <laughs> so. going. going to breakfast over at the breakfast spot in the morning <laughs>
1: I wonder how those guys are holding up during all this. I mean, they serve food, so they're an essential business, but I'm guessing that most of the other businesses in their neck of the woods are closed down and things aren't going so swell for them over there. poor guy. I know, they're probably, they're they're gonna be wondering come September, like, hey, where is that crew (laughs) that comes in here every morning and causes a little bit of a log jam to our system?
2: Every morning.
1: Well, maybe every other morning. Because Jules likes to mix it up sometimes, and Angela too, where we go over to the, uh, the donut shop. Oh, yeah, the, the Asian donut shop. You got to go over there and get your apple fritter. <laughs> Watch the kid crawl around on the floor behind the counter and touch all the donuts on the lower shelf.
2: He yeah, actually picked his burger and did that too. I watched him.
1: <laughs> Remember that, Angela? We were in there one morning, and the kid was crawling around the floor, just touching everything <laughs> on that lower shelf
0: oh yeah i did remember that that was like the last day we went there <laughs> but, <laughs> that was like that was it that was the end of the donuts for it was hilarious
1: and but can you imagine how much that would not fly in, in today's current culture with the whole with the rona
0: <laughs> oh i know i mean like all of us kind of and it was funny because all of us saw it i remember jim was there too jim right there and all of us kind of saw it we just like only reaction was like we kind of laughed and a shoulder shrug and then it was like alright, I'll take this. I'll take two <laughs> like, it was like whatever, who cares whatever, I'll, take two, on.
2: one. I'll take two, one with extra booger
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did not care at all like, remember the, now...
1: they had that shrine on the floor too behind the counter and it had like money and candles and then it, every morning it had like a donut or an offering of a muffin or something that was sitting on that shrine too
0: yeah, that's where the day-old stuff or three day-old stuff wound up on the shrine.
1: oh crawling around the floor, yeah, touching those for Buddha. Here you go. Put those with Buddha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> muffins and Buddha.
1: Oh, that'd be a good band name. You know, if if if, if the event doesn't <laughs> bounce it? back, we can start a cover band called Muffins and Buddha.
2: Muffins and Buddha.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that um so we've been kind of asking everybody towards the end of these things uh since we've been doing this what i mean obviously we're all affected by this and the event world just completely shut down um for some people the writing was on the wall for this way before social distancing and way before shelter in place started uh when did when did all of this coronavirus stuff start to impact your world how far back
2: um it's, well it's I was doing the World of Concrete show. I traveled with the big company uh, Freightliner in Western Star Trucks, and I was doing their big exhibit there in Vegas. And uh, they actually pretty much – that was when the start of all this happened at the beginning of March. Um, And then probably end of February, actually. um, My clients actually didn't – and they're from Portland, Oregon. They did not show up, so I actually had to man the booth me and my guys actually had to man the booth, um, and a lot of people did not, a lot of exhibitors did not show up, and then pretty much after that, during the down of the world, uh, the uh Conag they call it, they uh, pretty much shut down all of the MGM resorts in Vegas, and then they were doing something else. They started shutting down the schools and stuff, and I was literally in the... In the process of moving from Vegas to here, so when all that was going down in the last day of the show, that they told us, well, of course, there's no work until who knows when. The next day, I literally packed up and moved up here before they started shutting down all of Vegas, because Vegas is not where you want to be when the apocalypse happens.
1: <laughs> Why not? It worked out so well for half of those people in that Stephen King book, The Stand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, I mean, it's just it's, – I mean, uh, Vegas is pretty much the biggest populace, you know what I mean, of the whole state. So getting out of – into rural areas is pretty easy. But during that, that's when it happened. And then I came here, and I literally got a puppy. Right when that happened, I got a little husky puppy. And uh, so it was kind of funny how it all happened, and we just came up here. And we've been on lockdown since the whole time.
1: And I've just been remodeling my house. Did you name your puppy Corona? No, I named her
2: Choya. Choya Rose is after the. You know what a Choya is? I don't, Anybody? And, Angela, Jules? Uh,
0: it's a cactus, right? Type yeah. of cactus. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Josh, yeah. I Joshua Tree. That was my. That's uh, a great. There's a great hiking trail, the Choya Trail down in Joshua Tree that I love. So, that's cool. Yeah,
2: her, name, her name is Choya Rose, and of course. Spanish and so it the spelling is C H O L L A. So a lot of people think I named her after a Mexican female gangster. Chola. Everybody's like, why did you name her Chola? <laughs> Pronounce Choya. But that's <laughs> one you know, I mean, when did it I, I mean at the beginning of February it was pretty heavy in Vegas. You could tell between because the construction world is all international, right? So a lot of stuff is, a lot of my exhibitors and a lot of the clients that we have are from Taiwan, they're from Korea, they're from China, they're from Japan, Germany. So, I mean, I've had, you know, and I got all these sales guys there and there's all these other countries that come in. And we only had a few that made it. And especially a lot of Canadians And that's pretty much. I really feel sorry for those Canadians because trying to get out of Vegas and get when they were closing the borders was pretty tough at that time.
1: Yeah, if if you, from what I understand, talking to a couple of Canadian friends was that if you were stuck here or anywhere else for that matter, and the border was closed, if you were a citizen coming home, you were still allowed to get back into Canada. It was just, you know, it was a process to go through. Uh, One of my cousins and her (laughs) kids, they had flown to Mexico. Uh, for vacation and they'd been down there for literally 24 hours when they closed the Mexican-U.S. border and then they had to turn around and come back and they had to go through all sorts of nonsense um, when they got back. One of the BMX guys that I've known for years, I saw this was on social media, I didn't actually talk to him, I just read his story. He was over in Portugal doing uh, some stuff for the upcoming Olympics and he got back and he lives in Chicago and he flew back. He said that when they landed that there were people that came onto the plane that were in full blown hazmat suits and they came down and they took everybody's information and they took everybody's temperature and you had to fill out like where you'd been and your home address and all this information. And after they went through everybody on the aircraft and took everybody's temperature, uh, you know, after being on a flight for who knows how many hours, then you had to get off the plane and then you had to go down and do your actual customs and all that other stuff. But he said when they pulled up to the gate, they were told, hey, nobody get out of your seats. And somebody had gotten up because they had to use the bathroom really bad and they got barked at. Like, "Sit down." Like, <laughs> And then all of a sudden he's going to get on the plane with the Breaking Bad hazmat suits and it was like, oh, this is serious. You know, that's something out of a movie.
2: No, that never happened in Vegas yet. We all, they pretty much shut down that whole town before it got too crazy in Vegas. They, they, they took the right step pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was actually pretty impressed with that when I heard that that was happening. I mean, obviously shutting down all of the casinos. I mean, that's insanity, but I thought, all right, are they going to slow roll this or is this going to work? And then a buddy of mine that lives there, he went down and rode his bike down the strip that, that Sunday and took pictures. And I couldn't believe how empty it was. I mean, everything was boarded up. It was wild.
2: Well, just that one show, a Conag brings two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand people a day. Just that one show.
1: Yeah, i it's crazy. I mean, you don't think of I mean, I guess you kind of do. It's one of those things that's always in the back of your mind, especially in our world, because we all travel, so we're very aware of how many people you encounter in one day in an airport or airports in one Particular Part of travel where it kind of became a realization for me was back on, I think this was the 12th of March, I was supposed to fly to Milwaukee for a flat track race. And oh. I had heard from the promoters all day. So I was like, Alright, I don't know, because this was right when sports was getting shut down. This was literally the day after the NBA got shut down. So I went to the airport and I hadn't heard from these guys and something just didn't feel right. I had this gut feeling. So I went into the airport, I went through security and I went to the gate and I asked, Hey, can I get changed to a later flight? Cause I don't think this event that I'm flying to is going to happen. And I don't want to get stuck. <laughs> in and the girl yeah. was like, yeah, she put me on a flight later on that night, at like eight forty-five, And this is like two o'clock in the afternoon. So I was like, okay, great. So I got my new boarding pass and I turned around and I got out of there. And it just, I don't know, the airport felt off. There was a weird energy and half the people in there were wearing masks and you know, this is still mid-March, so it's not super crazy here yet, but it was, just, it was half the people that you normally see. And then I got home, and right. an hour later, I got a text message. It was like, yeah, don't get on that plane. I'm like, man, I'm glad I changed that flight. Right? Yeah, especially
2: when you travel a lot. You know what that feeling's like in an airport. You're like,
1: mm. I mean,
2: look, Anne's in San Francisco. I mean, how did it hit San Fran?
1: I mean. Yeah, you are guys you spoke- were one of the first cities to go on shelter in place for the most yeah, part.
2: And everything, all the marathons happen around this time, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely one of the first ones to start the shelter in place. I mean, like, the thing is, too, is, like, I mean, nobody really... This city just does what it wants. Um, I've noticed that there's more people out and about, like, walking around in the city now than normal. Like, it, it's crazy. The traffic is gone. So, like, that part's all gone, all the Ubers, the people, like, going back and forth. But the amount of people, like, out and about, like, walking and in the public places is just, it's, like, tenfold. So, so yeah, shelter in place. Like, the city lost its hustle and bustle. But at the same time, it also has, like, a new, like, there's a new energy outside. Like people new liberal like, walking around milling about. Ah, uh, well, this this is communist nation here. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We ever? I don't know what we are. <laughs> it's, it's hodgepodge over here.
1: Right. So how is everybody following through with that now? Because you guys have been going. I mean, you guys were in this for a while before the state had a had a whole mandate. I mean, is everybody kind of? falling in the line there or up at me up in oregon oh no it's san francisco sorry
0: oh yeah uh i mean yeah i i I don't know like it's again it's and i just kind of see like from my own bubble i haven't been really been able to go throughout the city like i I normally do so i could just only speak for like where i am in my area but um it's you know like i said it's just the the buzz of the city's gone that kind of energy is definitely muted um but like i said at the same time you could still feel like there's there's people everywhere you know all the everybody's on a zoom call but they're all doing it from by their window so like i open my window i can hear 27 conference calls going off you know what i mean because i mean it's a city we all live on top of one another we're still in close oh, yeah. quarter so yeah um but yeah, I mean it's it's interesting here and then I mean for us obviously like the event side of it. I mean this is the time when, you know, we would have had some pretty big events for the city, um gearing up for, you know, massive amounts of people gathering. Um and, you know, just not having those right now, which is really like what the city's known for. So um, you know beta breakers um uh, big event you know that's six sixty thousand people out in the streets of San Francisco, plus I mean, who knows the people that party and and come out for that event is huge um and so not that not happening is pretty epic for the city um the gay pride is now has been cancelled for this year, which again, another big, huge event which people would be gearing up for, you know. The flags going out on the the streets and all that kind of the, the prep that goes, you know, even just like laying out barricades, like, you know, a month in advance, getting them prepped is all is not happening. Um, oh, absolutely. So it's yeah. really interesting because, yeah, like this is really the time when San Francisco kind of does shine in that sense, like, it, or at least like gets on the map with its big events. And, you know, they're not happening right now. So it's definitely. Like, it's definitely a quiet little town right now.
2: <laughs> Quite a big town.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
1: Jules, you want to weigh in on what's going on in Eureka with social distancing?
0: Oh, hey, we're on our sixth day of no new cases.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Pretty excited about that.
1: No kidding. Right. What was yeah. your, What was your number up to? Prior. That's it? Yep. Yeah, they've been
2: having a low count up there. It must be all that sticky icky icky.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that was a big concern that they were still being considered an essential operation. So they are still all open and you can get whatever you need.
2: It's a medical service.
0: hmm
1: That's the big debate down here is everyone's up in arms. They're like, Why are the vape stores considered an essential business?
2: so the cops can go get their stuff they need
1: yeah you get people that are all up in arms they're like how are liquor stores and vape stores considered essential business oh yeah
2: everything everything here like even the antique stores in Oregon are here I go to at seven o'clock in the morning I go to Home Depot or to Lowe's and there's probably 25 people in there moms with kids and babies rolling around no math, no nothing. Touching everything, looking at stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of business as usual here. I mean, for a while there with shelter in place, there was all these reports of people getting together in the local parks and all these basketball games going on and p- guys playing golf together and, and just people gathering at the park down the street like it was Fourth of July <laughs> weekend. And then it kind of right. took off and things. Everyone started to kind of get into it, but now I don't know. It's it looks like things are kind of starting to ramp up again a little bit, but same thing you like you just said, I'll I'll go to the grocery store and there's people in there with their entire family. It's like, why did you bring all of the kids and the mom, dad, like everybody saddled up to go to Walmart? Like, what are you doing? All right. Jules, is
2: the beaches closed down by you? The beaches are all closed, right?
0: Uh no. What? No. Nope. Nope.
2: All Oregon beaches are closed.
1: Jimmy, uh, are the Texas
2: beaches
1: yeah, closed?
2: we are. What's that? Are the Texas beaches
1: closed? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'm four and a half, five hours away from the nearest one. I, I, I'll, you know what? I'll have to check in with my Galveston friends and find out. Um, interesting. An interesting question. Padre Island and Spring Break and all that—that that would have been a similar situation like Florida. I would have imagined, but I don't. I, you know what? I'm going to say I highly doubt it because we're not even on statewide shelter in place here. Texas is one of the nine states that won't do it because <laughs> you have so much space. <laughs> our, our governor just doesn't want to do it. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm leaving it up to the you know management in each one of the counties. So. Any county that's part of the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex is on shelter in place. Uh, Austin, San Antonio, Houston area, Um, and I think maybe El Paso. But other than that, the rest of the state. I mean, the statewide mandate is no bars and restaurants can be open or gyms or movie theaters. But we're also one of those states where it's like, well, churches can still congregate, but you guys got to sit every other chair apart. Can
2: you drink and go watch some good old... Sunday morning church gospel. Stand <laughs> outside and have a drink.
1: I don't know. We still have that goofy rule here on Sundays that you can't buy alcohol before noon. So oh, I don't know. Bad that bad but they did repeal certain laws so you can now get alcohol delivered to your home here in Texas.
2: And that happened in California. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Uh
0: yeah, you can yes. I noticed I notice I'm able to order alcohol now on my grocery orders, which game changer. <laughs> Cause worried about getting low. <laughs> Got another month of those. <laughs> so yeah. So yes, you can get alcohol delivered or at least where I am, I can get alcohol delivered. Uh, you can get it delivered where I'm at too. So.
2: Oregon. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Oh, what else is going to happen from all of this?
2: Well, no, I hope to see all you guys' faces soon. It's definitely good to hear your voices.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us here tonight. This has been fun. This is good to do this at night. Right? right, let's do it again. Changes up things a little Brett. bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, who else have you talked to? You talk to Brett?
1: We haven't got Brett <laughs> Hillard,
2: Not
0: yet. No, no, he, he's no. Haven't talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm social. Uh, we're social distancing ourselves from Brett right now. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: text him right now and tell him you just said that.
0: <laughs> Go <right> ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: hey, he would laugh. What, uh, Wookie? Right.
0: Um. All right, Tommy. So, so tell us again. So, what? Um. So when oh, yeah. we're back up and running. and we're gonna see you working on events again and you doing your trade shows but um so tell everybody what's the company again you're starting so when we're back up and people want to find where they're going to find
2: it i'll be here in redmond oregon and i'm starting a company called a decorative approach as you can understand the name um we're going to just do high end furniture rental and stuff for weddings and just funky furniture rentals and stuff. Because uh, it's kind of a big wedding area up here. There's lots of lots of uh, golf courses and private communities and stuff that throw a bunch of weddings and there's a bunch of parks and um, all that stuff. And it's just something that me and my wife think that we could do and do here while I'm going on trade shows and she's quitting teaching. So we're just gonna, we're just going to try to get a bunch of swanky furniture and that kind of stuff and just kind of keep it going just because the guy that taught me how to do all that stuff is mr james woodruff I'm throwing him under the bus and i know you guys all know that guy um he does a good job of it and i just think it would be a lucrative business so it's called a decorative approach i haven't got the business name or the dot com yet but i will thank you for asking
0: cool yeah no cool oh that's awesome i'm uh Good to hear you're doing something um, that I think you're going to be really good at and uh, wish you all the best of luck with that endeavor and uh, hopefully see you at Straight Rhythm putting up all that uh, signage up on the yeah. start platform yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in, the high, in the heat and uh, make yeah. sure everything's black for you. So <laughs> black
2: it's even it better. out. Black it out. Yep. <laughs> and he loves screaming, dude. He's going to name his first child scrimmer. You know <laughs> Jimmy loves scrimming.
0: yeah seriously he's a good next scrim- dog a good that's scrimmer. your next dog game. Ask, ask him he's a
2: good <laughs> scrimmer ask him he knows he knows how to scrim
0: definitely we <laughs> will do all
2: right well thank you guys i appreciate being a part of it it makes me happy i miss you all
1: yeah hopefully we all cross paths here soon and the world goes back to normal and we can go back to being renegades traveling around and telling fun stories Sitting at a hotel bar.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Can't
0: wait. Wait. <laughs> Joel. <Love ya.
2: laughs> okay, <keep coming. laughs>